Let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb. Michael Bloomquist needed some quick cash. So after talking things over with a friend, they decided that the easiest way to get money would be to rob a local farm. And Michael knew just the place. Just outside of town, there was a farm that had a storage shed where the farmer kept timber. Michael figured he could drive his truck up to the storage shed at night, load up the wood, and drive off before anyone would know. And then, the next day, he figured he could sell the wood in another town, make some quick cash, and get off scot-free. Well, everything went as planned. Michael and his friend drove to the farm under the cover of night. While the farmer slept, the two men quietly broke into the storage shed, loaded the timber in their truck, and drove off. Michael thought for sure he had succeeded when they drove away. After all, what could go wrong once they had escaped the farm with the wood in the truck? But getting in and getting the wood was the easy part. As they drove away in the night, Michael happened to drive into a big pile of manure. It had been raining heavily for the last few days, so the manure and the mud from the road had gotten all mixed up into one big mess. And when Michael drove his truck into the manure, the truck got stuck. The two men worked hard all night to try to get the truck out of the manure, but nothing worked. And when morning came, so did the police. They found Michael standing by his truck, covered in manure. After washing him off, the police arrested Michael and took him to jail. Last I heard, they left the truck stuck in the pile of manure and mud. Well, there's a lesson for all of us in the funny but true story of Michael Bloomquist. You see, just like Michael, we're all good at getting into trouble, but most of us have no idea how to get out of trouble. We know how to sin, but we don't know how to stop. See, the truth is it's easy to be tempted, but it's not so easy to escape temptation. That's why today's message is so important. We're going to learn what to do when you're tempted so that you can overcome temptation and be free. But before we go further, let's bow our heads and pray together. Would you pray with me? Almighty and everlasting Father, we thank you for this great day a day when we can come before you to hear your word and receive the truth that will set us free. I ask you to open up our hearts and minds today that we will receive the message from the word of God and that our lives will be transformed by it. We submit to you now. I bind every voice of the enemy that would come to deceive or disturb or distract us. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, I loose the power of the Holy Spirit. For we are dependent upon you to reveal the truth to us and to give us the grace and courage to walk in that truth. I thank you by faith that at the end of today, your name will be glorified and our lives will be transformed. We ask this in Jesus' name and everybody said amen and amen. I want to invite you to take a moment, join your faith with mine and pray along with me. Wherever you are right now, just put your hand on your chest and say after me, Lord Jesus, speak to my heart change my life. Manifest your glory in me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, hello everyone and welcome to today's broadcast. It's great to have you with us as we continue our sermon series, What to Do When You Don't Know What to Do. 
This is the fourth week in our series, and if you happen to have missed any of the previous sermons in this sermon series, I urge you to go online and watch the past messages. You can do that on my Facebook page at Pastor Richard C. Whitcomb. Now, while you're visiting our website and Facebook pages, I want to encourage you to also download the sermon notes for today's message and the daily devotional that goes along with today's sermon. When you study the notes and use the daily devotional, it will go along way to help you put the truth of God's word into practice in your life. Our scripture text for today is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 12 to 13. The word of God is on your notes. It's going to appear on your screen, but I believe God's word has the most impact when it's in our hearts and on our lips. So I'm going to invite you to read the word of God out loud together with me right now. Are you ready? Let's read it like we mean it. Here we go. Three, two, one, go. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to your hearts in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about temptation. Jesus told us, for example, watch and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. And he also taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation. But of all the passages about temptation in the Bible, this passage in 1 Corinthians 10 is the best summary regarding temptation in the Word of God. In these two verses, we have a clear truth about temptation. It tells us temptation is experienced by everyone. Your temptation is not worse than anybody else's. And it gives us a clear direction about temptation. Be careful not to fall into temptation. And then also there's a clear promise. God tells us that there is a way of escape from every temptation. In other words, when you do the right thing and respond in the right way, you can and will overcome temptation. But what is it that we have to do to escape temptation? What do we do to overcome? Well, inside this passage today, we're going to discover the three steps to take when you're tempted. And here's your first step today. Consider your choices. Just say, consider your choices. Listen to how the Apostle Paul starts us off with an admonition. Be careful not to fall. Now, at first, that may seem obvious. Of course, we shouldn't fall. But there's more to this statement than you might think. The fact is, when Paul says, be careful not to fall, he's actually telling us that we have the ability to overcome temptation when we make the right choices. It's in your power to be careful. And when you're careful, it's in your power not to fall. And notice that he directs this admonition not just to the weak and helpless, but also to the strong. He says, if you think you're standing strong, then be careful not to fall into temptation. So these steps are not just for the immature or the weak. These steps are for all of us. For the fact is, God has given all of us free will. We all have the power to make choices. That's what God himself tells us in Deuteronomy 30, verses 19 and 20. Listen carefully to his word. Today, God says, I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Just put your hand on your chest and say, it's a choice I make. 
Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. Notice how over and over again, God tells us we have a choice. In fact, he says, I, God, am the one who has given you that choice. He longs for us to make the right choice so that we will live. But too often today, many of us refuse to accept our own power of choice. We like to blame other people. We like to blame the devil. But we refuse to accept that we are responsible for our own choices. But the fact is, you make choices and your choices make you. You don't have to listen to the devil. You don't have to listen to your friends. You don't have to listen to your flesh. You can make a different choice. That's why Galatians 6.5 tells us we are each responsible for our own conduct. You're responsible for your choices because you're the one that makes them. And when you're responsible for your own conduct, it means that you will be held accountable before God. That's what 2 Corinthians 5.10 warns us, for we must all stand before Christ to be judged. Listen carefully. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in our earthly body. One day we'll all stand before God to be judged, and the measure of our judgment will be what we did here on earth. We will be held accountable for our actions and for our choices, both good and bad. And that's why when you face temptation, you have to consider your choices because choices have consequences. I believe one of the greatest errors in the church right now is that we blame everything on the devil. We place too much emphasis on the spiritual side of things and almost no emphasis on the practical side of things. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe there are spiritual forces that can block your progress and hinder your destiny. I believe we need to wage spiritual warfare and pray all night. I believe we have to bind and loose, reverse the curse, and cast out the devil. But none of that takes away from the fact that you also have to crucify the flesh. God gave us the power over the enemy and he gave us truth to live by. We need both. And it's the truth you live by that leads you to be careful so you don't fall. See, your problem at work may be a demonic attack. Or it may be you come late every day and you don't listen to your boss. You're late, you're lazy, and you do a lousy job at work. The problem is not demons opposing you. The problem is the choices you make. Your problem with your husband may be a witch is attacking your marriage. Or it may just be you're mean, nasty, and rude. You won't cook for your husband and you won't sleep with him. Hello? The problem is not a witch. The problem is... You, your financial problem may be that your auntie in the village is cursing you, or it may be that you don't tithe, you spend too much money, and you don't use a budget. Tell somebody near you, he's talking about you. See, the reason we rely so much on spiritual answers to our problems is because then we don't have to change. If the fault is from someone else, somewhere else, then I can continue to do whatever I like and live however I please, and it's up to God to solve my problem. 
That's why so many people are running to many so-called prophets today looking for solutions in the spiritual realm. You want someone else to solve the problem for you rather than God solving the problem within you. But if the problem comes from your choices, then you have to change. And friends, I believe that most of your problems are not spiritual in nature. Most of your problems come from the bad choices you've made. That's why Romans 6.16 says, don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. So just say, I can choose. I can choose to obey God. And that's why you have to consider your choices. You can't blame others for your own choices. You can't blame Satan for your own choices. And you can't blame God when you suffer the consequences from your own choices. A few years ago, a woman wrote to the famous Christian author, Dr. James Dobson, founder of Focus on the Family. She said, and I quote, four years ago, I was dating a man and became pregnant. I was devastated. I asked God, God, why did you allow this to happen to me? Sister, excuse me? Did you study biology in high school? Do you not understand the laws of nature? God allowed you to get pregnant because that's how he created the earth. He made man and woman able to reproduce. And most of the time, if a man and woman have sex at the right time, she will conceive and get pregnant. So why are you blaming God? You make choices and your choices make you. You want God to magically wave his hand and suspend the laws of nature every time you fornicate. Then when you marry and you want a child, you want God to magically wave his hand and reinstate the laws of nature. Excuse me, but God is not your houseboy. If you break the law of God, the law of God will break you. Consider your choices, because choices have consequences. On November 13, 1982, boxer Ray Boom Boom Mancini was in a professional boxing match in Las Vegas against a Korean boxer named Ku Kim. During the match, Ray Mancini slammed his opponent with a hard right, causing a massive brain hemorrhage. Ku Kim died four days later. At a press conference after Kim's death, Mancini said, Sometimes I wonder why God does the things he does. Excuse me, sir, but God did not throw the punch that left a young boxer dead. Ray Mancini did. You make choices, and your choices make you. In October 1994, a woman in the United States named Susan Smith murdered her two sons by drowning them in a lake. She later wrote in her confession, I dropped to my lowest point when I allowed my children to go down that ramp into the water. I took off running and screaming, oh God, oh God, no. Why did you let this happen? Excuse me, Mrs. Smith, but why are you blaming God? God did not drown your two young sons. You did. You put them under the water and left them to die. You planned it. You executed it. And you murdered them all by yourself because you make choices and your choices make you. 
And you and I may not be guilty of any crime so great, but we are often guilty of blaming God and blaming others for our own sins. But the fact is no one forced you to sin. You have a free will. You made the choice, and choices have consequences. And when those consequences begin to bite us, we turn in confusion and blame anything and everything but our own actions. We blame our auntie in the village and accuse her of witchcraft. We blame our boss for being mean and evil and cruel. We blame our co-workers for undermining us and pulling us down. We blame the government for failing us, the traffic for delaying us, the devil for tempting us, our parents for not providing for us, our siblings for doing better than us, our husbands for not loving us, our wives for not submitting to us, our children for not respecting us. We blame everyone and everything, but how often do we acknowledge that the problems we're in are our own fault? We made choices that led to consequences, and we are reaping what we sow. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you today. Your choices today affect your outcome tomorrow. That's why the Bible says in Ephesians 5.15, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but it's wise. And the fact is much more space is taken up in the Bible with how we should live than how to overcome the devil. And the reason for that is because much more of our problems are caused by our own choices than they are by Satan's schemes. The Bible spends much more time telling you how to live than it does telling you how to overcome the boss who hates you, the sister who undermines you, and the auntie in the village who's cursing you. Why? Because far more of your life is impacted by your choices than by anything anyone else is doing to you. Don't blame God for your sins. You chose, and you suffer the consequences. And while God is gracious and merciful, he doesn't automatically reverse the consequences when you sin. I believe God's grace is so mighty that even if Susan Smith, the mother who murdered her two children, repents and asks God to forgive her, then God would forgive her. But even if God forgives Susan Smith, her kids are still dead and she is still in prison. If you go out this week and fornicate and you end up pregnant, God is merciful. You can come back to Jesus, and if you repent and cry out to God, he will forgive you and cleanse you and save you. But you will still be pregnant. God won't unpregnate you. You will still end up with the consequences of your choices. If you go out tomorrow and borrow too much money and end up with too much debt, you may come to your senses and realize you've done the wrong thing. You can cry out to God and ask him to forgive you for being so foolish, and he will forgive you. But you will still have debt to pay, and you'll still have to begin making choices to reduce your expenses and choices to work harder to pay off those debts. That's why Paul tells us, be careful not to fall. The choices you make matter. They impact your life more than any other thing. So be careful. Be careful means be intentional, be deliberate, plan it out. Consider your choices because choices have consequences. And that brings us to our second step today. Consider the consequences. 
When faced with temptation, first consider your choices and then consider the consequences. Consider what will happen if you give in to temptation and what will happen if you overcome it. And when you think about it, it's not hard to consider the consequences for giving into temptation. For you see, God himself shows us over and over again what happens to people when they give in to temptation. That's why our scripture text tells us that temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. In other words, we can learn from other people's experience. Temptation comes to all of us, and the experience of others teaches us. That's why the verses right before our scripture text for today direct us in that exact path. Paul begins this chapter of 1 Corinthians 10 by drawing our attention back to the children of Israel when they left Egypt. They were delivered by the power of God and supernaturally released from the land of bondage. They were given the promise of a land flowing with milk and honey, and they were sent on a journey where God would test them and prove them faithful. But unfortunately, the Israelites failed the test. When temptation came to them, they gave in and committed sin. And Paul begins his teaching on overcoming temptation by bringing up the children of Israel and pointing out to us the consequences of their choices. Listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians 10, 6 and 7. These things happened as a warning to us so that we would not crave evil things as they did or worship idols as some of them did. So note that Paul tells us plainly that the children of Israel experienced the consequences of their sin, and it's written in the Bible as a warning to us. It's there so that you and I will learn to avoid committing the same sins. When we consider their consequences, it's a powerful motivation to us to avoid their mistakes. Listen to how Paul goes on in verse 7. As the scriptures say, the people celebrated with feasting and drinking, and they indulged in pagan revelry. And we must not engage in sexual immorality, as some of them did, causing 23,000 of them to die in one day. Nor should we put Christ to the test, as some of them did, and then died from snake bites. And don't grumble as some of them did, and then were destroyed by the angel of death. These things happened to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. And God gives you a warning today. God gives you an example about the consequences to wrong choices. He does that to teach us a powerful truth. For the fact is, there are consequences to every choice. There are consequences to giving in to temptation. And God says to you today, think about the choice and think about the consequence. Think about the result of your sin. If you want to overcome temptation and if you want to be careful so that you don't fall, then consider the consequences of your actions. For the fact is, consequences come to all of us when we yield to temptation. 
That's why Galatians 6, 7, and 8 says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Now, why does it say, do not be deceived? It says that because this is one of the major deceptions in the world today. Today, men will tell you, you can sin and escape. Nothing bad will happen to you. Just pray and ask God to forgive you. You can go scot-free. Churches will tell you you can sin and escape and still be in the choir, still be a deacon, still preach in the pulpit. It doesn't mean. And somehow we think that if we have the miraculous present in our lives, somehow we think if we have the supernatural in our lives, we will avoid the consequences of our sin. Somehow we think if we pray enough, or give enough, or sing loud enough, we will escape the consequences of our choices. But consider the warning God gives to all of us today in the example of the children of Israel. After all, they experienced the miraculous. The Bible makes it clear to us that the children of Israel were delivered from Egypt by the power of God. They had miracles in the wilderness. They ate the manna. They drank from the water that came from the rock. Verses 1 to 5 in chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians talk about the miraculous journey and the spiritual experience that the children of Israel had. But no matter how spiritual they were, they still faced the consequences for their sin. They still suffered for their wrongdoing. And they missed the promised land because they chose to give in to temptation on the way. They never reached their goal in life because they traded their future for a momentary pleasure. And the same is true for you today. You can pray all night. You can pray in tongues. You can go to prayer camps and get prophecies. And God has a wonderful plan for your life. You have the promise of salvation. You have the promise of eternal life. You have the promise of the Spirit. You have the promise that you will rule and reign in heaven with Jesus Christ. Our promised land as Christians is far better than the promised land of Israel. Our destiny as Christians is far greater than the destiny of the children of Israel. But we will suffer the same fate as they did if we follow in their footsteps. God is no respecter of persons, and the consequences of sin come equally to all who fall. Whether you pray, whether you speak in tongues, whether you prophesy, it doesn't remove the consequences. And if you want to get to your promised land, you have to pass up temporary pleasures. If you want to fulfill your eternal destiny, you have to forfeit earthly desires. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you today. Don't trade what you want most for what you want in the moment. Don't forfeit your future for a foolish sin today. Don't lose your call and destiny for a temporary pleasure on earth. That's the lesson we can learn from a young lady named Thubi from KwaZulu-Natal, South Africa. Thubi comes from a poor rural family that could not afford to pay for university. Her future looked bleak. If she followed the footsteps of most of the girls in her village, she would likely have multiple children from multiple men all before the age of 18. She would likely be exposed to HIV, or other sexually transmitted diseases. 
And like millions of other young women, she would grind out a living, perpetuating the poverty that plagues so many in our society. But today, Thuby is a 19-year-old, sexually pure student at university. How did this happen? Well, her town set up a unique scholarship program for women called Maiden's Bursary Award. To qualify, young women have to be medically certified as virgins. And when they do, the town gives them a full scholarship to university. To maintain the scholarship, the women must be tested every vacation. Listen to what Thuby says about her ability to overcome temptation and make better choices. We are keeping away from boys because we want to achieve our goals, says Thuby. I don't have children. I'm 19 years old. I must study hard to change and conquer the world. Thuby's personal vision of her future gave her the strength to make the wise decision today. Her desire to attend university overruled her desire to have a boyfriend. Her sense of purpose conquered her sense of passion. Her love for learning overcame her love for pleasure. And she overcame temptation by considering the consequences. And the same truth will work for you. God urges you to consider your choices and consider the consequences. In fact, that's how God defines wisdom. He tells us that wisdom is the ability to connect where I am today to where I'm headed tomorrow. Wisdom is the understanding that what I do today results in where I arrive tomorrow. That's why Proverbs 27, 12 says, the wise see danger ahead and avoid it, but fools keep going and get into trouble. And Proverbs 13, 16 says, Wise people think before they act. Fools don't and even brag about their foolishness. I could describe wisdom like this. Wise people consider their choices and consider the consequences. And that's what I want to urge you to do today. Think about the choices you're making, for choices have consequences. What consequences will come from the choices you're making? Are the choices you're making today making it easier for you to fall into sin or harder? For you see, oftentimes the reason we're defeated by temptation is because we've repeatedly made choices that lead us down the path that leads to sin. Rather than running from temptation, we run towards it. A lot of people today remind me about a certain woman who loved to buy new clothes. She was always going out buying new dresses. She had so many clothes, she couldn't even wear them all. Her wardrobes were packed full, and she'd started storing them in luggages. Well, one day, her husband got tired of paying for all those new dresses, so he ordered his wife not to buy any more new dresses. But one day, this lady was feeling bored, so she decided to go to a craw mall. She didn't intend to buy anything. She just decided to go look around. Well, as she was looking around the mall, she happened to see a beautiful dress in a shop window. She didn't intend to buy the dress, but she thought that since she was already there, she would just go try it on and see how it fit her. So she went in and tried on the dress, and before she knew what had happened, she'd bought the dress. Well, when her husband discovered that his wife had bought another new dress, he was very angry. I told you not to buy any more dresses, the husband shouted. What have you done? 
Well, the wife said, it's not really my fault. I went to the mall to look around, and I saw this beautiful dress in the shop, and I just thought I would try it on. And when I tried on the dress, the devil tempted me to buy it. Really, the husband said. And just how did the devil tempt you to buy that dress? Well, when I tried it on, the devil told me, girl, you look good in that dress. The husband was furious. Well, why didn't you just do what Jesus did and tell the devil, get thee behind me, Satan? The man asked. I did, the wife replied. And what happened, the man asked. Well, the wife said, when I told the devil to get thee behind me, he got behind me and said, girl, you look good from behind too. So I bought the dress. Oh, if she'd not gone to the mall, she wouldn't have seen the dress. If she'd not seen the dress, she wouldn't have tried it on. If she'd not tried it on, she would not have bought it. But choices have consequences. One thing leads to another. And if you want better consequences, you have to make better choices. So here's the truth you need to put on your keychain and carry along with you today. The best way to overcome temptation is to avoid it in the first place. That's why Romans 13, 14 says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. And that brings us to our third step to overcome temptation. Consider yourself dead to sin and alive to Christ. See, our scripture text for today concludes by telling us this in verse 13. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. And friends, that's good news for all of us. For the fact is, for every temptation you face, there is a way out. No matter who you are or how strong the temptation, there is always a way out. For you see, the reason there's always a way out is because Jesus is the way out. The way out is not a what, it's a who. That's what the Apostle Paul discovered when he became overwhelmed with his own sin. He cried out, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And in his testimony, we have hope today. For the fact is, temptation is powerful, but Jesus is more powerful. And that's good news for all of us. It's the good news we find in Romans 5, 15 and 17. The sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many, but even greater, somebody say even greater, even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater, somebody shout even greater. Even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. And I'm here today to tell you God's love is greater than sin's power. God's grace is greater than sin's condemnation. God's power is greater than sin's chains. God's life is greater than sin's death. God's gift is greater than sin's loss. God's redemption is greater than sin's destruction. And if Adam's one act could cause so much pain, how much more will Christ's one act bring redemption. If Adam's one act could do so much damage, how much greater will Jesus' one act bring restoration? For Adam was just a man, but Jesus is God. Adam committed a temporal act, 
but Jesus brought eternal salvation to those who follow him. That's why I refuse to believe sin is stronger than the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. You may say, well, the temptation is just too much for me. But I say, the power of God is greater. You may say, well, I'm surrounded by temptation. It's too hard to live for Jesus in this world full of evil. But I say, surround yourself with Christ and the temptations in this world won't be able to reach you. A true story from World War II illustrates this truth for us. Late in the war, the Allied forces were bombing German army positions that were occupying the nation of Serbia. Hundreds of airplanes were sent out over Serbia to drop bombs on the Germans. And though the bombs were hitting their targets, the Germans were also able to shoot down many of the Allied planes. In fact, 500 Allied airmen were shot down in a short period of time and were forced to parachute over enemy territory into Serbia. The airmen drifted by parachute into occupied Serbia, expecting to be captured or killed by the German soldiers. But instead, on the ground, remarkable rescue teams were already in place. Serbian farmers tracked the path of the floating flight crews. Their mission was to grab the Allied airmen and bring them to safety before the Nazis arrived. Risking their own lives, the farmers from Serbia fed and sheltered the downed Allied soldiers. Their goal was to rescue the airmen and then escort them out of enemy territory into safety. So every night, under cover of darkness, small bands of Serbian farmers led rescued Allied airmen through the bush, avoiding German soldiers and out of danger until they reached safety. Now, here's the interesting truth. These rescued men were in friendly hands, but they were surrounded by danger. All around them were enemy soldiers who were trying to find them and capture them and imprison them. The men had been rescued, but they still had to guard where they walked, who they walked with, and how they lived. The men had been saved from their enemy, but the journey had just begun. They still had to walk to freedom. As long as they stayed close to their friends who'd rescued them, the Allied airmen were safe. Even though the enemy surrounded them, the enemy couldn't get to them if they kept close to those who rescued them. And the same thing is true for us. Jesus has freed us but we live in a hostile world. The enemy lurks all around us, wanting to capture us and put us under bondage. He tempts us to sin, and we have to guard where we walk. We have to guard how we walk. We have to guard who we walk with in order to avoid the traps of falling back into the enemy's hands. But as long as we stay close to Jesus... We are safe. As long as we're in Christ, then we are overcomers. As long as we stay close to him, we will live in freedom. When I am in Christ, I'm dead to sin. I'm free to live a new life. Sin is not my master. I don't have to give in to temptation. That's why Romans 6, 6 and 7 and 11 tells us, we know that our old sinful selves are crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin, for when we died with Christ, 
We were set free from the power of sin. So you also should consider yourselves dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you. Every temptation in your life is an opportunity to depend on Jesus. The closer you get to Jesus, the more you live in victory. When you unite with Jesus, you overcome the power of temptation. When you depend on Jesus, you will live free. That's why Romans 7, 4 says you died to the power of the law when you died with Christ. And now you are united with the one who was raised from the dead. As a result, we can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. In other words, when you unite with Christ, you're dead to the power of sin. When you unite with Christ, you're united with the power of the risen Savior. When you unite with Christ, you can produce a harvest, a bountiful harvest of righteous, holy deeds for God. You can live for Him. So today, I challenge you, consider your choices. God has given you free will, and your choices today affect your outcome tomorrow. Consider the consequences. Don't trade what you want most for what you want in the moment. Think about your future and make the choices now to avoid temptation and escape from it. And consider yourself dead to sin and alive to Christ. The way out is not a what, but a who. Let every temptation become an opportunity to depend on Jesus. For when you unite with Jesus, you'll live a life that pleases God. You'll fulfill your destiny and receive your reward. Just declare today, I am dead to sin. Temptation has no power over me. I am united with Christ, and he is more powerful than temptation. That's what to do when you're tempted. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. I thank you for sending your Son to save us from sin. I thank you that you've given us the power and ability to choose to follow you. In our own strength, we can't, but in you, we can. So help us today to consider our choices. Help us today to consider the consequences. And help us most of all, to consider ourselves united with Christ, dead to sin, alive to you. Help us to consider you as the one who gives us the daily strength to overcome temptation. We come to you now. I break every chain, every bondage, every lie, every deception, every powerful chain of the habits of sin in the lives of those listening today. And I loose the spirit of the living God, the spirit of resurrection, the spirit of holiness to fill us and enable us and empower us to walk in unity with you. Cover us, we pray, by the power of your Holy Spirit. And I thank you now in Jesus' name. Seal up this seed of your word in our hearts and let it bear fruit and grow for your glory. We bind every voice of the enemy that would come to steal the seed of the word out of our hearts. And I loose the spirit of God to cover us in Jesus' name, amen and amen. I want to encourage you today. If you know that the Lord has spoken to you, 
Maybe there's habits in your life you want to break. Maybe there's bondage in your life that you want to be free from. There are some ministry hotlines you can call right now. People are standing by ready to pray with you, ready to help you and see you overcome every temptation. I want to encourage you to call the numbers on your screen. If you're outside of Ghana, you can write to us. Write to me at pastor.whitcomb at agapehousegana.org. We would be happy to help you, to counsel you, and to pray with you. For I believe that victory is possible. And when you know what to do when you're tempted, through the power of Christ, you will overcome. God richly bless you. God bless you for listening to this message. Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb is the senior pastor of Agape House, New Testament Church in East Avon. If you are ever in Accra, we would like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m. or on Sunday at 7.30, 9.30 or 11.30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience. We're here.